Welcome to Fly on the Wall, a podcast where you have the opportunity to listen in on a live coaching conversation. Please make sure to like and subscribe. And now for today's episode. How's everything going in the church? Man, things are going great in the church. I can't complain. Uh, Tomorrow is our first ever crew conference. So it's our in-house sort of mini conference that we're doing for all of our servant leaders. And uh, we rented this cool spot downtown. We're bringing them in, giving them our merch, free merch bag to launch the new theme for this year. And we've got a great turnout. Surprisingly, it was, I don't want to say surprisingly, but so we're stoked for that. Yeah, dude, that's awesome. The the church is only, uh, you're only a few months old now, right? Yeah, November 14th, 2021 is when we launched. Officially, yeah. Look at you, man. Yeah. Yeah, well, when you got the hat and glasses like that, dude, you're bound to be successful. I know. It's all coming together. It's actually the nose ring that actually adds that little. (laughs) You got to get one, Chris. I'm going to take you to the spot, man. Could you imagine? (laughs) (laughs) Me? you're like wow that guy's having a midlife crisis <laughs> that's why i got it before i turned 40 i'm still 38 so <laughs> oh my i'd be laughed off the planet <laughs> oh my gosh oh man well dude how can i serve you today well chris uh i mean i just got a few questions for you um you know as a new church plant you know we're, we're thinking of of even getting ready to head into being a sovereign church and all of that and uh, one of the questions I had for you is, what do you think or how can I begin to structure our church leadership and board, I think, to go to the next level for the life of our church? Yep. And what I, what I want to avoid is that kind of older governance where the church has to vote on selling a property or if we should buy a washer and dryer for kids ministry. <laughs> kind of want to avoid, avoid yeah. there you that, go. Type, <laughs> that type of structure. So you could yeah. speak into that. Yeah, no, that's awesome. The... Uh... You know, it's interesting. Uh, it seems like membership, I'm sure you, you know, in your network, your friends, seems like membership is kind of becoming a thing of the past. Right. Uh, um, you know, and I don't even know if I see it in the Bible, so I don't know where we even got the <laughs> idea. But but, uh, um, but I do think that uh, it's become a little bit thing of the past. Here's a few things, I think, especially since you're a newer church. And uh, anybody that's been a church for a while, it, it, the opportunity to re- structure their governance one thing i always say about bylaws is because i think bylaws is a big part of that how do we govern in the church uh, i always say no one cares about bylaws until somebody's getting sued then everybody cares right <laughs> you know? uh so even though it's sort of this necessary evil because uh, it is i mean who wants to deal with this stuff you still kind of got to get it right, right. Uh, <clears throat> otherwise it could come back to hurt you uh and believe me i don't like dealing with it but you got to get it right uh, and a couple of things. One, um, it's up to an individual if they want to have members or not. Uh, I'm not a big, I personally, I like it better if the church, if the board is governing things and kind of serves as members, if you will. Um, I don't know if the church should, should, should serve as that. Um, uh, the second thing I think is, or, or the, or the members, I just don't think they should. I think that leaders have a voice, but Man, I don't want to have to go through, like you said, washer and dryers and stuff. Um, I think you need to, the board, in my opinion, the healthiest form is to be staff driven and board supported. I think that you you have to be driving the vision, the the team's driving the vision with you, the board's supporting it. Um, I think that they could be the members. Uh, They're the ones that are voting by property, not by property you know, whatever, I think that they, they should be doing that. That's my opinion. It doesn't mean that I'm the right, but I, I've just seen that to be healthier. What I think is unhealthy is when you have 
board members who have their hand in on everything. Uh, I don't look over the shoulder of a board member that I had in the past that was a doctor and say, you're doing the brain surgery wrong. I don't know anything about brain surgery. Now I could help him to make sure that he has the right insurance to not get sued, but I don't know anything about brain surgery. And I don't think you have to have, you know, when you start getting into how to run small groups and structuring church, that's your area of expertise, but you need them to love on you, support the team, uh, to, to make sure that you guys are dotting the I's and crossing the T's and make sure you're staying legal and right to make sure insurances are in place. Um, those are, those are some of the things that I would, I would say they need to function in and they function more as, as that member role. When you have a board member, I always like three things. I want to know the board member that you have on your team is either bringing influence to the table, mm-hmm. resources to the table, or special skills to the table. They have to, it, not just they're good guys, but you do want that board to be people that can help the vision. They have influence. I don't know. Maybe they're the assistant city manager. Maybe they know all the city council. Maybe they can help you when you're buying property. Uh, they have influence in public schools. They have influence in the commercial real estate world. Okay, that's influence. Resources. They've got the finances to help you and jump in on vision or special skills. Hey, um, they're an attorney, Man, that's, <laughs> which is great to have on your team. Uh, there's someone that can speak into legal matters. They have a special skill. Those are the kind of things. So I would, and then one other thing I would say is, Um, the board has to have the right to, if you go do something crazy, uh, to remove you as the lead pastor, but I don't think the process should be as easy as they just vote. And that's the end of it. Hmm. I think that they have to put other parameters in place. So if, if a church belongs to a denomination, right. Uh, for instance, if somebody's a God, you might say, okay, well, um, if the board feels I need to be let go, they should present it to the superintendent of the state. And if the superintendent feels like it's good, they'll appoint three people from the outside to make the decision. It's not just the board makes the decision. That's it. No, no, no. There's a couple of hurdles to jump through because all you need is one board member who has a tremendous amount of power and influence that all of a sudden doesn't like you for something and gets you out. And here you are building the church, getting it all great. And then it's one crazy board member that turns everything south on you. So those are parameters I would set in place. Wow, that's super. And, and I think just to add a, one more little question yeah. to that, Chris, how do you how do you go about or how would you go about as you operate in that model when you want to bring on, like, let's say a new board member? How do, what does that process look like? What's a, what's yeah. a healthy process for that? Yeah, I, I think one of the healthy processes is that you bring you and maybe one or two of your key staff kind of talk, maybe just kind of talk through, hey, uh, what do you think about this guy being a board member? Hey, what do you, you know, anybody know anything about his life, personal life, anything we should be aware of? You know, check it, make sure that he's faithful in his giving, that he's meeting that kind of character, uh, um, kind of character portfolio. Um, And then I think when it's time for a new board member, man, bring two or three names to the board and say, okay, guys, um, so-and-so stepping off the board. In six months, we need to start looking for another board member. I've got three names. I've vetted them. I've talked to them. A couple of our staff know them. Um, I feel good about all three, but um, we need to decide together. Then, man, at your one of your board meetings coming up, 
you bring each of them in for 30 minutes, let the board talk to them, let, let them talk to the board. Then when all three are done, you know, one at a time, your board talks and says, okay, there's three names. Which one do we think is best? That way the board does have input on who the next board member is. There's a sense that they get to vote, but also you're bringing only to the table those that you're happy with. So for you, any of the three is going to be fine. Right. But they get to narrow it from the three to the one. Wow, that's good. That's really good. Yeah, we're, we're going to be starting that process, uh, you know, hopefully soon here. Or we are. Um, now that's one, one more thing. Oh, add yeah. one, add, I'm sorry. Select one of your board members to take care of your compensation. Hmm. So you come in and say, okay, we, it's time for some raises. And I think the youth pastor gets a 5% rate, whatever. You come in and do all that because you're, you're the one battling for, the, for your staff to get raises, to get insurance, to get retirement. You're the one battling for them. At least you should be. And I'm sure you are because you've got that kind of heart. But who's battling for you? And if you got to be the awkward conversation of, okay, guys, let's talk about my money. <laughs> this is right. an awkward conversation. Let's take care of that now since your church is new. And if someone's listening to this podcast and their church has been going on for 10 years, have a conversation with the board and say, this person on the team takes care of me. When it's pastor appreciation month, you, Bob, or whoever, you make sure that the board thinks about me. You have conversations without me there about how to appreciate me about my raises, about my health insurance, about my retirement. Like you got to have someone on your team that's fighting for you since you're fighting for the staff. And if you don't, you always have those awkward conversations. And, and what happens is you end up with a board that isn't that generous. Mm. And it, because culture is created at the top and supported at the bottom, you're going to want generosity to be a culture at the top. So that it becomes supported at the bottom. If you don't have cult, if you don't have the culture of generosity at the top, you're going to have a hard time having a church that lives in the life of generosity. Yeah, no, that's so good. As our church has been growing and our finances, you know, hey, we should probably, you know, bring Alberto on staff. I'm glad that I wasn't the one that had to start and initiate that conversation. It's a little awkward. <laughs> of course it is. It's horrible. So fix it, you know, just fix it. Yeah, yeah. no, that, that's super yeah. cool. That's super cool. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I appreciate that, Chris. I know that you've had some uh, people in your, you know, in your leadership uh, world and in your church world that have journeyed with you for a while. Um, and I guess one of the things that I would ask is, uh, how do I, how would I keep, how would you keep your team motivated and on mission for the long haul? I guess that's for the long haul, not for a season or two, but just thinking big picture, long term. Yeah, good. Well, uh, I think there's a couple parts to that question. One is you're talking about keeping teams motivated. And I like how you said it for the long haul. Um, I think motivation is one thing, but when you, when you peel back motivation, there's other things that create the synergy with you as the leader. People always gravitate to where they feel most valued. Mm. People always Good. gravitate to where they feel most valued. You better tweet think, that right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it, it, think about it. Let, hey, just go back to when you're 16 years old. Wh wherever you feel most valued and accepted, that's the circle you hang out with. Yeah. We do, that in, we do that in junior high school, middle school. We do that in high school. We do that in life. That doesn't never change for us. Wherever they feel most valued, that, people gravitate to where they feel most valued. So peeling back that motivation 
I think the, the, the question that I would, I would add to that, if I would, Alberto, is how do I keep people on my team for the long haul? Not just motivated. I think motivated is one thing. We could talk about that. But how do I keep them on there? One thing is they got to feel valued. How do they feel valued? How do they feel loved? How do they feel encouraged? How are you stretching their leadership muscles? If you, if you have a lion on your team, are you putting that lion in a cage? Or are you giving them an opportunity to grow and expand and develop? Um, how are they feeling valued by you? How does their, their family feel valued by you? Do you know the anniversaries? Do you know the birthdays of their kids? One thing I always say Love the people they love and they'll love you. Oh, that's good. Love the people they love and they'll love you. I'm telling you, it will work like gold. So when that little eight-year-old gets a little card, handwritten card from you and a $10 gift card for Cold Stone, that's a $10 gift card. And the kid probably won't even say thank you. You could probably forget. But mom and dad, the leaders on your team, the mom and dad, they won't forget. They will forever remember that you and the wife remembered their eight-year-old's birthday. Um, And it will go a long way. Love the people they love and they'll love you. So when you peel back motivation and you just look at the idea of the long haul, if people gravitate to where they feel most valued, value them, care for them, um, and make sure you care for their families as well. Um, The other thing is get strategic especially in the early days when you're not, you know, sitting on $6 million budget Uh, in the early days, how do we get strategic for valuing them and their family? So Mm. the typical thing we look at is, okay, well, we got to give them a raise. Well, here's the thing with a raise. Once you give it, you got to pay it. (laughs) But but a bonus, that's a one-time deal. That's a one-time deal that adds a lot of fuel. Uh, a, a here, here's a thousand dollars. Uh, here's two nights stay at a Marriott for you and your wife. We want to take, we'll, we'll find someone to take care of the kids or we'll help out with the kids or here's some, you know, tickets to SeaWorld or tickets to Disneyland, go with the kids, whatever. Um, here's another one. I love what a friend of mine did. Uh, um, and he lived, you know, he lived about an hour, an hour and a half away from the beach. And so what he did now is a little more expensive, I know, but just give you strategic idea. He Airbnb'd a beach house. It was a couple blocks back from the front waterfront, but you know, but still it was, you know, you could walk to the beach, uh, had two rooms, three rooms, could sleep six, seven people, whatever. And what he did was he Airbnb'd it for six weeks and each staff member got a week. Oh, wow. That's now they're at a beach house. When they arrived with their kids, all their favorite snacks were there. Each week, one of the staff members remembered, took pictures, posted it, and said, because of our pastors, we're spending a week down at the beach. The the refrigerator's been stocked with our favorite stuff, and we got a gift bag and all that stuff, all that nice stuff. And now, that could have been a raise, and maybe they did give a raise, but instead... They took a bonus and they flipped it around and said, you pick the week that works best for you. Wow. Well, that just even makes sense because you're, you're leading them to make a moment and a memory with their family, which I think stays with them a lot longer than maybe 100%. money or a bonus. Yeah, because they'll flip through their phone a year and a half from now, or the kid will bring up, you know, the big wave that hit them two years from now. And they'll always remember, yeah, we were there because of. 
yeah. you know, because of that church, because of our lead pastors. And so, again, long haul is motivation. Yes, that's one thing. Um, staying motivated, which I think clearly is about keeping vision in front of them. So if you're just in motivation, keep vision in front of them and keep growing them and stretching them. To the motivation question, keep vision in front of them, keep things going to the next level. It's always remember vision's always leaking. So keep vision in front of them and keep them growing, keep stretching them. They need to feel like, man, I, this is the best place to be because I, I mean, I get so stretched, but the second part of that is again, pulling that motivation word back, staying motivated for the long haul is they'll stay with you for the long haul. If they feel valued, they gravitate where they feel most valued. All right. My last question is, as a new church plant, obviously we, we want, we have a goal of breaking 200. We've already broke hundred. We've been sitting at a, a certain place and, and implementing some changes, but what do you think uh, are some leadership structures that I might need to make in order to prepare us to get there? Um, so when we get there, we're not trying to figure out how to fly, fly the plane where we're already in the air. Yeah, no, that's great. <clears throat> the thing is, um, one, I think that, uh, and you've probably heard me this before because we've done coaching together, is that there has to be a mental switch from going from ministering to people to ministering through people. Hmm. There has to be that switch. You have to have leaders around you that are galvanizers, uh, that are gatherers. Because if it's all you that's doing the galvanizing, you doing the gathering, <clears throat> excuse me, that's going to limit the amount that it's going to grow. You know, the Bible says that, uh, you know, Saul had his thousands and David had his ten thousands. If you're David in that picture, uh, and of course, Saul's got some evilness to him, but let's remove the evil part. The point was that he had a less capacity. Mm. And that's okay that he had a less capacity. It's the way God designed him. So, your, your leaders, your team, they have to be able to galvanize and gather maybe not 200 people like you can, but can they build tribes on that usher team, greeter team, worship team, children's team of 40, 50, 60? Can they shepherd those people? Can they add value to those people? Can they have barbecues and pool parties with those people and, and build a tribe with those people? So yeah, they're not going to be the David that you know, has his 10,000s, like, like you're the David in the picture, but they do have their 50s, 60s, and 70s. Wow. They do have that. And <clears throat> I think that if you can get ahead of it, Alberto, by getting your key leaders to stop thinking management and start thinking leadership, mm. most of the time we have leaders in management. Here's what we have. Most of the time, I think that we have managers in leadership positions at the church. And so mm. if you can start talking to the head of the greeter, the head of the usher, the head of the worship children's, whatever, who's ever doing that to be like, you can't just, <clears throat> you can't just uh, send out monthly, you know, calendar of when they're going to be a greeter. <laughs> they they have to think of themselves as how do I build a tribe with these people? How do I love on these people? How do I how do I encourage these people? How do we have barbecues and dinners with these people? Separated from you is yeah. such an important part uh, because the more the church goes up, the more that you start to grow, and the less you're going to have that personalized touch. Um, there's a reason why. There's a reason why the average church in America is 86 people because mm. the church grows to the level of the pastor's personality, mm. his ability wow. to influence, 
his ability to impact. Um, I read somewhere that the average person can be in the life of about 100 people somehow or another. 100 people. That's a lot of people. Yeah. So let's take that thought process, move it over to the pastor who doesn't create systems, strategies, doesn't give away leadership, doesn't help the leaders start thinking about how do they galvanize and gather in groups of 40, 50, 60 on their teams. He just is kind of a solo act. Okay, so if that's true, the average person can, can know about 100 people. No wonder our churches on average in America is 86 people right. <clears throat> because it has grown to the level of the pastor's personality. They didn't wow. think about processes, systems, and strategy, but they also didn't think about how do I get the leaders on my team to start acting like leaders, not like managers, not just filling out calendar schedules on when that person gets Tom and Sue is greeting the first and third Sunday, but they're actually leading them, building tribe and building community. You start doing that. You start showing up to church and a couple of greeters go, oh man, Pastor Alberto, we had the most amazing pool party yesterday. Like 55 people showed up and you knew nothing about it. When that starts happening, you're going to see three, four, five, six hundred start to take place. Wow. Because you're growing past the levels of the pastor's personality. Mm, wow, that's good. Get your leaders to think that now, especially since the church is so young. See, if your leaders start thinking that now, that just becomes the culture. So five months from now, when it's like, oh, the head of the children's or the head of the first impressions or the head of hospitality had to step down for a reason. Now we have a new person. Well, the new person, here's what we do. Yeah. It's not like, oh, what, what? it's just, that's just what we do at the church. If you're going right. to lead, you're going to lead. You're not just going to be a manager. I'm telling you, you do that and it will, it will grow the church. It will galvanize people. It will bust past two, three, 400, 500 people, and you will get your church to be sticky because people wow. come for the message. They say for the relationships. I say that a thousand times, but the relationship is I joined the greeters group. Yeah. You think you just joined the greeters group. You actually joined tribe. You just didn't realize it. Mm. That's good. So That's good. yeah, does that help, man? I hope it helps. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like my brain is just going like, I'm like, I feel like I need to have, call a staff meeting right now, but <laughs> Get to work. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Seriously. But here's a gift card. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, well, that's awesome. Well, man, I'm glad I could help you today. I hope you found it helpful and always great to connect with you, dude. Absolutely, Chris. Thank you. I appreciate right. it. Sir. See you, buddy. Thanks, man. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for stopping by today. We hope you enjoyed it. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and to be on the lookout for more podcasts from Fly on the Wall. See you next time.